This day in sports history. It's February 16th, and on this day in 1984, a man with a common American name did something that no American had ever done. Bill Johnson was an American downhill ski racer with an overwhelming confidence, even for a group of people where confidence is kind of a survival tool. Flying down an icy mountain on fiberglass slats at speeds upwards of 70 miles per hour, well, you better be confident that your skis are going to carve the turns and land like butterfly feet off the big bumps. Well, on this day, it was the men's Olympic downhill. The event had been delayed by a week due to poor weather conditions, and maybe it was a little nervous energy, or maybe it was young kid cockiness. But while the skiers waited day after day for the weather to turn favorable, he was telling anybody who would listen that he was going to win the gold medal. They should just go ahead and give it to him. He didn't need reminding that no American had ever won gold in an Olympic downhill event. And the downhill was, you know, one of the original events going back 60 years. But his confidence did not come completely out of nowhere. The previous month, Johnson had won a World Cup downhill event in Switzerland. The win barely raised a blip in the States, but in Europe, it had been a very unpopular win. The Austrians, specifically Franz Klammer, who won gold in the 76 Olympic downhill, called Johnson the nose picker, and they felt the kid was not seasoned enough to win in Sarajevo. He'd only been on the World Cup circuit a year, and he only had that one win. But here's the thing. Mountains are different. Courses on those mountains have certain characteristics, and depending on how the mountain is and the course on it set up, a downhiller's skills may fit one and not the other. And so it was in Sarajevo. The course was perfect for Johnson's gliding style. The turns weren't super tight, and the descent was not as steep as others had been. In the starting gate, the time to beat had been set by Switzerland's Hermann Zerbrigen. The course was broken down into two parts. The top part was a little more technical. The bottom part was wide open, and these guys could just let it loose and fly. Through the top section, Johnson was running second, 19 hundredths of a second off the pace set by Zerbrigen. In the bottom section, Johnson was in his element, and he was able to stay in his tuck position for the majority of it. He crossed the line in 1 minute 45.59 seconds, 46 hundredths of a second in front of Zerbrigen, an average of 65 miles per hour. After his run, he was satisfied he had done what he needed to do. You know, I, I've been running really well all week long, and all I had to do is be close in the, in the midsection where I'd been having some trouble. And uh, after I got through that part, I said, whoa, you know, I'm carrying some good speed, and I made it through that section. I don't think I lost much time. All I have to do is, is nail the bottom part, and I went for it on the bottom. But there were still more competitors to make the run down the two-mile hill. And while others attempted to beat him, Johnson continued to confidently give interviews to the media as if he had already won the gold. And he wasn't wrong. Two other skiers were faster than Zerbriggen, but nobody else was faster than Johnson on this day, as he became the first American downhiller to win gold at the Olympics. Also on this day in 1953, Boston Red Sox legend Ted Williams crash-landed his F-9F Panther jet in Korea. Eyewitnesses to the event saw the fighter coming in heavy and fast. It was trailing smoke and streaming a ribbon of fire, which tends to not be a good sign. 
Williams struggled to maintain control of the plane, but he was flying too low to eject safely. He had to put it on the ground and in a hurry. Williams was able to land it wheels up, but it skidded on the runway on its belly for more than a mile, sparks flying all around it. When it finally stopped, the nose burst into flames. Williams was able to extract himself from the cockpit and hobble away from the wreckage. He completed his tour in Korea and then returned to the Red Sox in August. And in 2005, the National Hockey League officially called off the entire season after a labor dispute could not be resolved. The big issue was a salary cap that the owners wanted and the players didn't. Efforts to get an agreement on the collective bargaining agreement failed. It was the first time in professional sports history that an entire season had been canceled due to a strike. That's all for today. If you have a moment, how about leaving a five-star review and a comment on Apple Podcasts? I would appreciate that immensely. Thanks for checking out today's episode, and I'll have more tomorrow on This Day in Sports History. Thrive Sweet Productions.